Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast by Victory Point. One of the best ways to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to read and reflect on Scripture daily. We created this podcast to guide you through our daily Bible reading plan that helps us dwell in God's Word as we grow together in listening to the Spirit. Whether you're on your commute, doing dishes, or just getting up in the morning, we're glad you tuned in. Good morning and welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. My name is Brendan McClenahan and I am the pastor of discipleship at Victory Point Ministries and also the host of this podcast. And today I am so happy to welcome our guest for the week, Mr. Aaron Boyd, all the way from Ireland. Come on. What's up, Aaron? Oh, just loving life here in rainy, really sunny Northern Ireland. We were planning on, we were planning on recording yesterday and uh, you, you actually had some plans with your father-in-law to take yeah. him out for his birthday. Yeah. yeah. So my, my father-in-law's a real simple man. I, I love him all the bits. Um, never driven in his life. Lives in the center of Belfast. Like real simple life. And a great darts player. And uh, so he's, like, I, I love taking him on adventures. So I have a lobster pot. You know, like crab for catching crabs and lobsters, obviously. So he hasn't been in the water since he has been like seven years old because he drowned and he's petrified. So I got him in a wetsuit and put a buoyancy aid on him and got him swimming around the harbor and then stuck him on a kayak <laughs> and kayaked out to my lobster pot. And I had to make sure he was happy because if he fell off, because it's obviously it's an ocean uh-huh. and there's a, bit of, there's a bit of swell. So if he fell off, I needed him to be able to get on his back and swim backwards to not drown again. Not drown, yeah. Uh-huh. So we got a big old lobster and uh, a big crab. And uh, yeah, brilliant. You gave the lobster away to a friend. Did you guys eat the crab? Um, I gave him the crab claws as well. So okay. I can't be, we can't be bothered. We've picked a bunch of crabs, but um, I just dispatched the crab pretty quickly. And then we take the claws and, uh, and then bring the whole lobster home. Um, so my friend that actually used to tour and drum for me loads, Matty Weir, he is really into his food and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, he said to me one time, he's like, well, can I buy a lobster off you? I was like, mate, it's not really like that. This is more about the adventure. So <laughs> none of us, none of us could actually hold on to the lobster last night. So um, I phoned him and I was like, I have a or message. And I was like, man, I've got a lobster here. It's yours if you want it. And he's like, yes. So he came down and grabbed it and closer as i can enjoy send me a picture it's brilliant it's awesome blue, and then you cook them and they go bright red so a cracker unreal so aaron you are a just for people some people may have no idea uh you know who aaron boyd is what what uh give us a little shot though the best word i have described of you is a musicianary it's that's, a, that's a that's a term that you uh, you gave me for kind of what you feel like your calling is. But do you want to just give a little snapshot of like a little short bio of who you are? Yeah. So I um, was well, I'm I'm married. So I'm a husband uh, to Jill, and I'm father of three girls, Lily, Josie, and Heidi, um, and they are all in the process of starting back to school. So two of them went back yesterday, and then my youngest starts back tomorrow after six months of not being in school. So it's going to be interesting um, just to see how the next few months pan out because they're actually all being trained in 
multiple online stuff now as well. So I don't know what the score is with all that, but uh, yeah, so I'll be watching that very carefully. Um, a bunch of years ago, I, I wrote a song uh, when I was on a mission trip and that song sort of blew up, a song called God of the City. I ended up writing it in a brothel in Thailand when I was on a mission trip. And then a guy started singing it in the States and it kind of just brought a load of attention. But in that same period then, after it was written and the song started to blow up, something had kind of switched inside of me where I realized that actually it's not good enough to sit on a mountaintop and just pray over a city. You're actually meant to get in and do something wherever that looks like um, and wherever you are. And it's in your streets, it's in your workplaces, it's it's on mission teams, it's whatever. Um, go and be Jesus. And uh, and so I always loved leading worship. And uh, I was and I was a window cleaner at the time and I ended up, then doors began to open in the States to come over because everyone's like, who's this dude that wrote a song in a brothel in Thailand? And here it is now a mantra for our church in our city and our community. And that was it. Basically, I never went looking to become a worship leader full time or any kind of stuff. It just doors began to open. But rather than just be a musician and try and be a rock star, it was like, God, what can I do with what you've given me? And I have a small platform. So how can I use that to help people meet Jesus? And then how do I help a bunch of kids across the world? that have a voice, but just because of where they are and their circumstances and scenarios, how can I help their voice be elevated and let's see them taken from um, just risky, dangerous positions in life uh, where they could be trafficked or abused or any of that kind of stuff and let's keep them in families. And so that's where music and justice come together and uh, music and mission and uh, yeah, so musicianary, that's, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, a play <laughs> anywhere. Just, just give me somewhere to do it, and I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a couple fun. a couple of weeks ago, we read uh, Psalm one forty nine, which talks about you know people singing God's praises even on their beds and worshiping God, and and then it switches to, and God's people have swords in their hands to bind up, you know, the evil kings and all the oppressors and stuff, and uh, and at first it seems kind of weird, like why would it switch from like this happy you know, praising God to these people bearing swords to execute God's justice in the world. But mm-hmm. those things always go together, right? Yeah. Like, like you're saying, to be able to rescue the oppressed has to go hand in hand with our call to worship. And if we don't have that, then it's not true worship. That's when God says, I hate your assemblies, right? I, your, your offerings are a stench to me because you don't do justice. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and like sure when Jesus is he's backed in the corner and the Pharisees are like, yo, listen, what's the most important law? And he, he dials back, but he says like, um, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, strength, and body and love your neighbor as yourself. It's kind of like that one minute. He just pulls these two worlds together and loving God is obviously worship, but then loving people is ultimately a result of acting, of loving God and is the same, essentially the same thing. Yeah. Delves back in there's like Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And uh, yeah, I just, I think it's, it's brilliant, you know, just love God, love people. Yep. Well, thank you, Aaron. And thanks for joining us on the, the podcast today. Tomorrow we'll kind of get in more into like a little bit more of your story maybe and uh, why, you know, Vic, you and Victory Point are in relationship with each other. Yeah. But yeah. Um, this summer I've been, uh, you know, this podcast has been going on this whole year. And uh, sometime in the middle of the summer, I, uh, one of our uh, missionary, like our mission partners was in town. And I thought, oh, why don't we invite, invite them into the podcast? 
And I thought, well, why wouldn't I invite other mission partners in the podcast? And then I thought, well, why don't I invite other people who might be far away onto the podcast? You know, with Zoom, it's a great equalizer of geographical distance. So yeah, that'd be kind of fun. So today uh, we're going to be reading Exodus 16 verses 2 through 15. Do you have that open anywhere near you that you could flip to and read it for us, Aaron? Yeah, let me just get, get the old Bible up here. <laughs> It's my bad American accent. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, it's Exodus 16, verses 2 through 15. 16, Exodus 16, 2 through 15. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat posts and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill, uh, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from uh, heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them at twilight, you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake like fine frost on the ground. When the people of the Israel saw it, um, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Thanks, Aaron. So what's, uh, as you read that, is there anything that's immediately just sticking out to you about this passage? Or you go, I wonder if God is maybe bringing that to mind, or maybe there's something in this passage that even bothers you or confuses you or, you know, draws your attention in some way. What would that be? I always love, I love the humanness in the middle of all of these things. I think, you know, my, my church for years is, was this kind of raven charismatic, you know, through the kind of like the renewal period in, in Northern Ireland. And it was always, everything just was always like, for want of a better term, spooky. It was always like ethereal and out there. And I love how this is so down to earth. And I think our journey as a family has always been mapped with moments where we make a commitment to the Lord to go, well, we're going to, keep life looking like this or we're going to make a big change or we're going to step out or we're going to you know leave jobs or we're going to do certain things and the lord has always provided now 
think there's a difference between when you go, someone once said to me, um, it's okay to make a mistake, but the wrong thing is to stay and fight and stay in your mistake. And I remember years ago, um, when we were basically like 25 years old and we were about to have our first kid, we knew that we knew that we knew that the Lord was saying really, really clearly for me to leave my job. But the problem was then is that Jill was is a dental hygienist and she's self-employed. So it means that whenever she comes out of work then there's basically, you don't get like maternity pay or anything like this. So there was this like state maternity pay and we were young, didn't have any savings or any of that kind of stuff. And, um, but we knew that the Lord was, was saying it's time to go. And um, so I was like, right, load of great counsel around. And I was like, well, what I can do is I can remortgage. I can borrow this. I can do this. I can do this. And that'll get me 18 months and then we're going to do this. And, and I remember my friend saying, that's fine. It'd be cheap to do that. And you just could make that work. But he said, don't do God's job for him. And in that period, it was so rich with just allowing the Lord to move in our lives and in this really young family. And even just today, you know, like we were chatting about, like, you know, obviously lockdown for us has been, it has been a point where genuinely, like we have needed fresh manna from heaven, like all the time. Like we, we have, because the only way I basically earn anything is from traveling and playing, like that's it. But I haven't been able to do anything since February. So I've been here on the island of Ireland trying to just live off, you know what I mean? Like choices that we made years ago to keep life really, really simple. Mm -hmm. And simple things like super practical, like my clutch in my car went, right? We can't afford to get a new big fancy car or whatever like that. We have a, made a commitment to get a seven seater because my in-laws don't drive. And when we all go away as a family, like that's a commitment for us. That's a value. And we're all in a car together and we can do that. But my clutch went and it's basically was like 1500 bucks. And I was like, jeepers, it's the most expensive clutch on the planet, right? <laughs> but just so happened then that this person messages me and he's like, listen, I just want to give you some whatever. And basically 1500 bucks, that's what kind of came in from two different places, just like that in this moment. So it's like, it's I love in this passage how just how practical it is and how non-spooky it is. It's like, you're hungry, I'm going to feed you. And it's not, I'm going to spiritually feed you. It's, there's actually physically something is going to happen. There's a bunch of quail. There's a bunch of bread. There you go, go and eat. Do you know what I mean? Lobsters. Yeah, it's like, it's like, <laughs> oh, my clutch is broke. Well, I'll pray for you. It's like, well, I, no, McCartney's a new clutch. It's great. You can pray for me all day long. But do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a real practical thing. Even whenever we were, um, like years ago, whenever we were kind of making those those transitions in life, things like Jill's makeup, right? That you know, like girls' makeup costs an absolute fortune, right? And like Jill's definitely not extravagant. Um, but it just so happened that, and you know why they're all really, really fussy. It's like, oh, I only like this one, or I like this shade, or you know all about that brand and makeup and all, don't you? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so Jill's like, um, yeah, well, this makeup's about to run out, but it's really expensive. And um, well, lo and behold, here, her friend or her mum has bought the wrong makeup, but just so happens to be the exact one that Jill, do you know what I mean, likes? And they're like, here, do you want this? And it's it's this small details in the middle of that, um, I just think are absolutely fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that. I mean, even with the makeup example, there are a lot of people who would just go, well, what a happy coincidence, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
Oh, that, that was cool. And have no uh, sense that that was a gift from God. Same thing with the clutch. There might be a lot of people who are like, oh, oh, nice. Now I can pay for my clutch, but not connect that to God's love for them. You know, and I think that's part of our, you know, um, coming into our faith and learning to walk with Jesus is learning to see um, the gifts all around us, you know, that God is giving us to like the people of God could have been like, oh, it's flaky stuff all over the ground, you know, big deal. Or, oh, there's something we happen to be able to eat. But they, they, you know, said like, this is from God, you know, it's the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. There's two things in this passage that like really uh, resonated with me. One of them was the fact that I think five chapters earlier in Numbers 11, God sent the people are complaining earlier and God sends them meat in the form of quail, you know, like up to their waist or something like that all the way around the camp. I don't know if you remember that story, but the people are like, oh, great. And they eat it. And then they all get a plague and die from their, <laughs> because they were complaining. <laughs> so I read this story and I'm like, oh no, here it comes again. God's, God's judgment. They're going to eat this, this quail. It's going to get stuck while it's still between their teeth. They're going to all die from a plague or something like that. But no, yeah. God, God, uh, God chooses to have mercy on them and uh, to let them live. But if I was them, I'd be a little bit suspicious. Like, <laughs> what is this going to do to me? Yeah. Um, so there's that. But then um, also verse 15, when the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said, it's the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And I, uh, when I, I read that, the first thing I think is they're like, oh, what is it? You know, how cool. What is this? And Moses says, it's the bread the Lord has given you. Oh, great. You know, but if you read on, there's a lot of people who, who uh, try to gather it and, uh, you know, keep it longer than it's supposed to. Yeah. There's a lot of people who don't like it, you know, who say, like, I don't want to eat this bread. So an another interpretation might be like, when the Israelites saw it, they said to another, what is it? And I'm like, what, what is this? Like, we prayed to God for food and we get like, we get this? Yeah. You know, yeah. and I feel like that's the same, that's the same thing that Jesus is to us, you know, the bread from heaven where people were like, God, we need a Messiah. We need a savior. And wait, this, this savior? No, no. Yeah, like, sure. what is it? What, who is he? Like, he's, he can't be our savior. Yeah. Um, or when we pray to God for an answer to prayer, you know, like, God, give us a sign, give us a direction. Like, for example, um, I might be getting the, to, uh, you know, bigger subjects than we ought to go into here. But um, back in January, our elders were praying, God, show us a direction. You know, like we were just crying out. We, we spent 40 days in prayer and fasting saying, God, show us the way forward as a church. Um, what, what, what do you have for us? What do we need to do? We, we want a clear sign from you, you know. And two weeks after those 40 days ended, uh, COVID-19 hit our state. And we had to cancel worship gatherings, right? What is it? And like, what, what's going on? What is this? We asked for a big sign from God about what we were supposed to do, you know, and how we should adapt as a church and where we should go forward from here and how do we follow Jesus? And then we get this global pandemic, right? Basically, COVID is your fault. <laughs> no. You prayed and fasted for forty years. Forty days. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I am saying though that that a huge event happened after we prayed and prayed and prayed. 
And this is not like manna where it's like a good thing, but it is something huge that happened that we have to pay attention to and go, what God, what are you doing in the midst of this? Right. But it's a sign. It's an answer to prayer that we don't want, you know, and I'm sure some people who were in the desert with Moses weren't looking for bread they had to collect from the ground. They were looking for those flesh pots back in Egypt, you know? So I'm just, uh, I guess for me that it's like sometimes when God answers prayer, it's, it's not exactly what, uh, what we wanted and it's not exactly um, going to feel good all the time, but it's going to be for our good, you know? So the way that God takes care of the Israelites um, by giving them something that they have to rely on him day by day for and something that they can't store up and gather, um, but they have to continue to depend on him yeah. is an interesting answer to their prayer, you know? So that ultimately pans out. You see that where they, God never wanted there to be a, like a human kingship hierarchy. He wanted to be their God. He wanted to be their king. But ultimately, then they they wanted a physical person on the ground that they could see twenty four seven, and um, I think that's always a challenge. Is just always just trying to see God in the middle of everything, um, and and act, and actively. I think that that comes with like a renewing of your mind, like constantly trying to look around and see Him in the midst of everything, and being thankful in the middle of all of that. And um, I remember sitting in a sermon one time and a guy made this parallel and he was talking about this theologian called Rudolf Otto and Rudolf Otto coined this phrase, the mysterium tremendum et fascinam. And it was um, his way of talking about when we take sacraments in the Christian church, it's, we run well in the Protestant faith, there's two of them um, and uh, communion would be one. So we, we take that and we really believe that in this moment, what does it do? A sacrament kind of draws us back. It makes us think, it refocuses. And it's a really, I don't know, some people would describe it as like a thin place or whatever. So when we break bread and when we drink wine, there's this moment where we, we're reminded of the cross. We're reminded of forgiveness. We're reminded of new life and everything that comes from that and where we stand in victory. Um, and so that is a moment that's a sacrament. And then that sacrament helps us rethink and re-see our position and who we are and where we are in the midst of our lives. So what this guy was, was talking about was, well, then what Rudolph would throw out is the Mysterium Tremendum and Fascinem. He, he paralleled it with the story of Moses and the burning bush. The Mysterium is that God uses finite things to get our attention. Yeah. So the burning bush, the Tremendum is take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. So there's this idea and, understanding that Moses was in the presence of someone and something so much greater than he was. And then the fascination is this thing with at the table, the fascination that keeps us coming back because there's forgiveness and there's mercy. And, and I think, I think in the story, I can't remember what exactly what it was, but I think it was like that Moses would then go on and do X, Y, and Z. And here's this normal dude that struggles with X, Y, and Z, but yet he goes and goes to Pharaoh and leads a nation and all this kind of stuff. And so what, the, ultimately the landing of the plane of this was when this guy was like drinking a cup of coffee or I had to turn my heater off because the sweet shed's getting so warm here that it's like in these moments it's like trying to train our minds to go God thank you that your warmth your love for us is like this warmth or this prayer or this smell of this coffee is like 
prayers of sweet smell and incense. And do you know what I mean? It's like trying yes. to see him in the midst uh, of everything. All of life is a sacrament that yet everything has a potential to turn you back to God, to recognize that, you know, the world, what is the quote about like the world is, is, uh, is a bush on fire, you know, and, and we, there's fires everywhere, you know, there's burning bushes everywhere. Um, and, and our job as Christians is to, to turn in those moments and to recognize God's presence and to respond. So yes, in the heater or the cup of coffee or the birds or, you know, an uncomfortable conversation or whatever it is, we call those Kairos moments where we go, okay, God is getting my attention about something. How am I going to learn to see him in this and learn about his character, have him impart his identity to me. And then how do I, you know, uh, respond to that faithfully? So yeah. absolutely. Well, Aaron, let's, uh, let's uh, kick out of this podcast and we'll, we'll join back together with people tomorrow morning for, uh, for Tuesday's passage. Man, I feel like I keep talking about this, this passage for a long time with you. Manna from heaven that reminds us that God is our provider and it's an opportunity for us to turn back to God and not just, you know, see life as material, but um, to see God's presence in everything and to have a dependence on him. Like you're just saying, like to depend on his presence and to learn to see him everywhere and to learn to be thankful uh, for the ways he's answered prayers, even if it doesn't always match up with how we wanted it to be answered. So, um, so with that, everybody go in peace and we will catch up with you tomorrow morning. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. If you have any reflections on the scripture we just read, please click the link in the show notes to leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Let me send you on your way with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Thank you.